I say covenant or new covenant. You might not know what I'm talking about, and that's okay because we're the foundations class, so foundations is what we do here, right? Mm -hmm. And so this one, dispensationalism is the most popular, popular theological grid, framework within the kind of Southern Baptist, or as we are Baptist in the South tradition, right? And the, the, I'm gonna tell you right up front, the issue I have with it is that it doesn't see, it doesn't look at, at, at continuity between the Old Testament and the New Testament and what came before and what comes, uh, comes Christ and after. It sees a bunch of discontinuity. And what I mean by that is it sees the biblical revelation as a series of dispensations, like seven and nine of them, right? I feel like it all, almost like compartmentalizes. Yes, yes, yes. And so it doesn't just compartmentalize like, the narrative. It kind of compartmentalizes how you get saved in each one of those economies. Yes, Pastor. Yeah, could you unpack the difference between the eras that we've been studying and the dispensation? See, that's the thing. I'm not a dispensationalist, so I can't even tell you what the dispensations are. There's like one of innocence and one of... of, of, okay, of I guess what I mean is what's the difference between an era that we've been talking about, you know, we've been talking about the patriarchs and, oh, and right. a dispensation. Okay, so within the errors that we're talking about, God is still God and the means to get saved is you are justified by faith, period. Point blank end. Genesis 3 all the way till when Christ returns. That's what we say. So historically, things have changed. God's way of relating, God's way of saving, God's way of judging doesn't say it. We understand, we understand that perspective, all right? And the other chapter, oh, somebody said something. Oh, yeah, she did. No. How you doing? Well, and us studying the eras, that's looking at how we can understand the Old Testament. Yes. Um, like historical time periods. There you go. Yes. It's historical, but God is still God. God hasn't changed. So it becomes a dispensation when we say in that historical time period, God operated to save man in a different way. There we go. Like We're not going to, so that's dispensationalism. We are not a dispensational church. I'm not a disp dispensational teacher. So if I say I'm not something, I by definition got to tell you what I, am. what I am, right? The big challenge with dispensationalism is that it views the church as a parenthetical, right? And so if you were in the 830 service, Pastor Sean asked and answered, do we believe, do we believe that when Christ said it is finished, it paused it paused temple sacrifice or it completed temple sacrifice. So I, I believe that since there can be no possible, imaginable, greater sacrifice than God the Son sacrificing himself, when he said it was finished, it was finished. We don't need another temple. We don't need more animals. I certainly don't need more goats. That's what I believe. Dispensationalists believe that there's uh, somewhere in here, Israel failed. So we get a church. But at some point in the future, at some point in the future, the church gets pulled off the planet and Israel is restored. But along with that, you get a temple and you get animal sacrifices. So the church is God's plan B. Does anybody see a problem with God having a plan B? Somebody articulate for me what the problem is with God having a plan B. Louder. He wouldn't be sovereign. If he's, if he's not omniscient, he 
not omnipotent, and he has to have a plan B, right? Covenant theology, and I tend to lean more covenant than, because I'm not with this, but covenant theology sees kind of Israel as kind of the parenthetical. So God had a plan. He made a promise with Abraham. He said that he was going to do this, that, and the third for Abraham's descendants. They couldn't do it. So we get a church. And Christ returned. But any theology that you any theology that you embrace has to account for everything that we see in the biblical narrative. Alright? So when I say everything, what I'm saying is it has to account for the people that we see who are of God before Abraham. Name somebody who was one of God's people from before Abraham. Can anybody do that? Job. Job. Excellent example. Job is the oldest recorded book in our Bible. And historically, we suspect he was, so most people think he was an, uh, uh, a contemporary of Abraham. And if he was contemporary with Abraham, he couldn't be one of his descendants. How could he? Mm -hmm. And some people think that he was actually a contemporary of Noah, which I don't necessarily believe that for a bunch of reasons. One is that. Why wouldn't he on the ark? Um, but either way, Job is a very, 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 very old book and a very, very old, old, old narrative. And he said it right now. Another problematic person in uh, the Old Testament, Melchizedek. Mm -hmm. Jesus is a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Why, why, why would we say that? Why does the scripture say that? Yeah, we say that because let me be clear. I say what the book says. <laughs> it just says it better. <laughs> All right. I try to explain what the book says, right? Already said. I think one point was we didn't know where it came from. We don't know where Melchizedek comes from, right? He's the king of Salem and a priest of the Most High God. That is, that is it. And he jumps into the narrative. He has a sit down with, with Abraham. Abraham gives him a tenth of all the goods that he has just captured, and then he's gone. But clearly, he is not a descendant of Abraham. Can't be. Uh, and there's some, there's some, there, there are some theological hypotheses about Melchizedek being supernatural, like actually being a pre-incarnate Christ. Not going there. Not touching that one. Not messing with that one. He's in and out of the scripture in like a half a chapter. Mm -hmm. um, Noah himself cannot possibly be descended from Abraham because he's Abraham's ancestor. Right, but we would say clearly that he is God, he belonged to God, right? So any the, any theology, any theological framework, and and, and another point, um, we go wrong when we decide that we're not being descriptive when we try to be predictive or or, or prescriptive of what God can and uh, can do, right? Mm. But when we when we approach it with with a, with a level of humility, Lord, I am trying to understand how you have how you have done this, how you have, how you work throughout the history. When you approach it from that perspective, and I, and I really, I pray, before I study, pray, write on any of these things, I ask that. We're trying to understand you. We're trying to understand you. And any theology has to account for, you know, uh, Job, Melchizedek. What about Adam? Adam. And Seth. Going back to Genesis 3, Gen Genesis, Seth and Genesis 3, has to account for all of those free radicals that aren't accounted for by an Abrahamic covenant. They're not accounted for by an Abrahamic covenant. So, so our redemption story has to start before Abraham. So any theology that we, that, that, that we embrace, that we try to understand, that we try to use to 
comprehend the work of Almighty Eminent God has to account for everything he did. Dispensationalism doesn't seem to do that for me. And it's also super complicated, and I hate super complicated. Covenant theology doesn't seem to do it adequately. Pastor Sean had the elders read a book called The Four Seeds of Abraham, and it seemed to account better for these, these pre-Abrahamic oddballs over here. And well, it, it, I mean, even, with, even after the Abrahamic covenant, we have uh, uh, Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, who was a priest of God from Midian, which that doesn't make any sense. If you solely, solely rely on dispensations and stuff like that, because it requires God to make exceptions, and God doesn't have to make exceptions because he's already seen all the possible outcomes and planned it out since before he put two molecules together. Right? Saturday, January 20th, 10 a.m. to noon. All ladies of the church are invited, ages 10 plus, at the Salvation Army store site, 433 Robeson Street. And on that end, ladies, if you have children 10 plus that are male, they can come too, if you don't have to be only a female. So, yes. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. So, and you can let your friends know that too, if that's confusing. So, yes. Jessica. Yeah. Grand Prix, Saturday, January 27th, and we have a members meeting on Sunday, January 28th after the evening service. All right. We're going to get kind of cute with introductions, but we got new people, so we're not going to do that today. <laughs> we're just not going to do that today. So, Jess, would you tell us who you are? Uh, I'm Jessica Sanchez. Where's Colin? Colin's doing well today? He's not doing great. Matt and Becca Hawks, and Nora. And Nora. And Nora. She had a comment earlier. It was Sir Ma Saline, Jermaine. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, Aaron and Audra McLean. Well. Uh, Maddie Contreras. Tara King.
Can you guys repeat your name again? So I can write. Uh, Nathan and Sydney Earnhardt. Earnhardt. Okay. And then repeat. Aaron and Audrey McLean. McLean. Thank you. And will you write our address on the board just in case someone doesn't have it? They want to have lunch with us today. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, is it? My wife. Come on, man. For real? Father, I, I thank you. I thank you. I think of um, Psalm 40, and when it says, I waited patiently on the Lord, and he inclined to me, and he heard my cry. Um, Lord, they're so, we are such a needy people, but um, this week has been difficult for our family um, with the, the car accident of our niece and her husband. Um, Lord, we saw them both on the brink of death. We thought even at a point that Taylor may be paralyzed. Um, as a 32-year-old young mother, um, just thinking, Lord, how horrific that would be. Um, but Lord, you have shown yourself merciful. Yes, you have Lord. had your healing hand upon her. Um, and Lord, we're asking now that the physical doesn't matter because it, it will fade away. God, save her soul. Um, have her still be able to come to Fayetteville. Have her entice him and the boys, Lord, and then just 
change that hardened heart to a heart that loves you, that adores you, that um, is obedient to your word, Lord. Um, again, the physical is for naught if you're just going to let her spend eternity in hell. Please, Lord, save. Lord, I also just want to thank you for being merciful in our lives as well. Thank you that um, Nora was fine, even though um, she had a high fever on Monday and it was just very scary for a little bit. Um, Lord, that you protected her and healed her and that um, you'll continue to do so, help her um, clear up this cough. And um, just thank you for um, just working all things for your glory. Pray that you would um, go with us this week as we um, get our uh, septic situation cleared up lord i just thank you that um you're in the timing and you're in the finances and you've been with us and given us wisdom and um just uh, just so much blessing lord as we've been waiting on you to uh, work these things out um, lord i just pray that you continue to watch over um, our family and um, our church family as well i know there are several still sick that you would just provide healing lord and comfort as they wait for healing um, I think of um, Shelby Voorhees, whose um, two little girls have ear infections. Um, Lord, that you would just um, protect the rest of her little family, keep Dimitri safe as he's deployed, and um, and just help her in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for Serenity uh, as Patrick is deployed. Uh, I pray that you will keep her safe driving back and forth on the icy roads, uh, and as she has the, the three boys and Basically, it breaks down to people, place, blessing. People, place, blessing. All the other, all the other details kind of expand on people, place, and blessing. Next one. Mosaic. There we go. What's different about the mosaic from the first two? 
see the poor oppressed in the district and judge and justice and rights denied, do not be surprised at such things. For one official is eyed by a higher one, and over them both are others higher still. The increase from the land is taken by all. The king himself profits from the fields. Thank you. All right. So, um, So the KJV trend gives just do not be astonished. I chose that one just because I love the word astonished. Mm -hmm. It kind of conveys a bunch of stuff. So when we're, when, we're figuring, when we're figuring out what he's talking about, remember back in Ecclesiastes 1.9 and 1.14, we saw the phrase under the sun. And we contrast that with under heaven. What he's describing now, would we set based on that understanding of under the sun or under heaven from Ecclesiastes 1.9, and don't worry, I'll give you time to figure it out. Are we talking under the sun or under heaven with what re with regards to what Solomon is observing right now? Under the sun? Yeah. All right. Under the sun means what? Earthly. Earthly. Temporal. Temporal. Yes. Temporal, Temporal is, a, is a word that means linked to time now, temporary. So what do we make of this passage? Where, 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 is it is it is it an excuse, a license to do nothing when we see oppression? Is that is that what he's saying? <clears throat> Certainly not, because you know God calls the um, the religious leaders into account in many other books mm -hmm. for oppressing the people they're supposed to have care of. Absolutely, it's one of the, so, most, one of the most significant indictments from the entire. The indictment phase of Jeremiah, absolutely, and the other prophets for that matter. So, um, this passage is also one of the reasons. So, I, as as those of you who weren't here when we first started, I said that you know um, I'm definitely in a minority on this, but I don't think Ecclesiastes is um, should be thought of like Proverbs, which is a collection of of, of wisdom to be read. Um, I think it was probably intended to be publicly spoken. And, the couple, and one of the reasons for that is, well, first off, the name. The name means the assembly. Mm -hmm. The assembly, the gathering, right? Um, uh, and that's right off the top. And so if that were the case, and the other, another proof, not proof, but another bit of evidence is to whom would Solomon, the king, be talking? If he, if he gathered some people, he's the king. Think about the era. Would he have gone out on the highways and byways and grabbed every homeless dude he could find? Who is Solomon talking to? Most likely. A little bit louder, no? I think his council, maybe? His group of guys that are closest to him? His court, we would say, and to use a, to use a, a, a kind of a Western analog, right? <coughs> that... So what is he telling? What is he telling? What is he saying to them? Don't be surprised when you see these issues throughout the land. I, I go back to um, a phrase that you like to use, which is dead, dead people, people do, do dead what people. dead people do. Um, and so we shouldn't be surprised that dead people um, aren't 
making righteous choices that, that people are not making, um, yeah, aren't doing necessarily the right thing for other people, they're doing the right thing for themselves. So. I think too, um, like, astonished or amazed, we need to inject the, the appropriate um, emotion into that because I think what he's saying is when you see someone oppressing, don't feel like they're getting away with because they're watched over by a hider, and they're, you know, mm -hmm. it's not exactly here, but I think what's, what's outlined is they're going to get theirs yeah. for, for that. Um, and so um, this kind of addressing like an attitude of hopelessness or despair about how the world is, which we can tend to live in. Yeah, and absolutely. I mean, if you look out and see the news and absolutely uh, feel like everybody's getting away with everything, I agree, I agree, because in God's economy, in God's economy, sin falls into two really straightforward categories. Washed, unwashed. That's it. There are no sins that don't that don't fall in, 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 in one of those two categories. If it's washed, Jesus paid for it. I got nothing to say about it any further. If it's unwashed and God's going to deal with it for eternity, He's going to deal with it, and I got nothing to say about it. That doesn't mean I can, that doesn't mean that if somebody breaks a, breaks a law, we, we don't we don't try them, we don't punish them. That doesn't mean that. What it means is I can't be astonished, and I don't have to worry about anybody ever, 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 ever getting away with anything.
So in verse 11, is he saying that fat people, the fat, the figuratively fat, get mm -hmm. fatter? stuff increases, they increase to eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Um, I think that maybe there's some kind of um, comment here about the difference between someone who works to get what he has and one who hmm. just employs others. And all his benefit really is, okay, I saw all the grain you took in from the field, and I can just get more. But the laborer lays down and sleeps all at night, whether he's full or, or not, because he worked hard for that grain, mm. even though, ironically, he doesn't technically own it. Mm. 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 That is a, that's a keeper. I have to take more seriously on that one. Okay, mm. third question. Oh, I'm thinking. Um, Say more about that, please. Well, I mean, if your whole goal is just to get more, so that you just could say, okay, I've earned this X, yeah. you know, the X amount or whatever, yeah. then you're never going to be satisfied with that because you're just going to have more people to take care of, more employees, kind of going off what, you know, Jonathan said. And it's not like you're going to sleep better, and even <coughs> if your stomach is full, you're going to probably get indigestion. <laughs> I don't know what he's telling you're worried about all these other things that if you just were the laborer go to sleep i'm tired i'm going to sleep now. right i, I did, did my job time. i don't got anybody else to worry about what about um so to piggyback off these two points here as a as a business owner and if you just change your focus from getting more just to have more mm -hmm. instead of doing that why don't you look at it from a point of the more that you get equals the more that you can give away. And that's where you can get fulfillment from. I think it goes to Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters for they will hate the one and love the other. They will devote one despise the other master of God in mind. So it depends on who you're serving. Why are you why are you trying to obtain wealth? Like you were saying, are you doing it to give more or are you doing it to a good thing? Yeah. Um personally, I'm telling myself a little bit. I used to, one, my wife knows that I've always tended to have a very problematic relationship with any job I had, right? Um, and that I hated it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, so I used to think, I used to think, I used to pray, you know what, if I just made more money, then I wouldn't hate this job so much. Comes out, comes out, that's not true. Um, and so uh, then I would pray, well, Lord, if you gave me a better job, because this one stinks, uh, I wouldn't hate this job so much. And let me be clear, I was asking incorrectly. Should have just asked for contentment. Should have just asked for contentment. Ask for the ask for the ask for the thing you want. Ask for the thing you want. And 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 more is usually more stuff, more stuff that will distract you, or distract you, or potentially corrupt you or your children. Um, that's probably not the most God glorifying thing you could ask for. Whereas asking for the thing that is most God glorifying, that is contentment in your where you are, 
hey, you know what? My job might suck, but you know what? I'm saved, so this is just for a little while, right? Right. My job might be really, really hard and might be spending me up faster than I can reco recover. However, I belong to the Lord God Almighty, and this is just for a little while. This. In Ephesians, when Paul, oh, when Paul says, you may, you may have to suffer for a little while, this, this is just a little while. And so, me, I was asking very, very incorrectly. Very, very incorrectly. And I always, with regards to my employment, that's just, that's just that's one of the things that I got to carry with me, and that I constantly have to pray to be content in what I'm, in, in my employment. That's not, I can't, I can't look at y'all and say, oh yeah, got that one, figured that one out. No, 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 no. Tomorrow when I, well, not tomorrow, I'm off tomorrow, but um, when I go back to work, I'm going to have to pray that morning to give me contentment in this job, because it is objectively a, a good job that allows me a lot of, uh, to do a lot of other stuff, like prepare lessons and stuff like that, you know, which is kind of dope. Um, I think that a lot of times God chooses to reward the content with wealth and power. And you can see that in a lot of the, the heroes of the Old Testament. Sure, sure, sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, Abraham was the wealthiest man in the land. Because with a self-employed person, it's not just yeah. their household. Everybody supports their household. It's their employees' households yeah. also, right? Yeah. That's a that's a lot of responsibility, man. Absolutely. And there is no way in the world I want to approach that level of responsibility without some divine intervention. No way in the world. <laughs> Man's got to know his limitations. Yeah. All right. Well, we got a little time. 13 through 20. Jonathan's door. Read that for me. There is a grievous evil which I have seen under the sun, riches being hoarded by their owner to his hurt. When those riches were lost through a bad investment, and he had fathered a son, then there was nothing to support him. As he had come naked from his mother's womb, so will he return as he came. He will take nothing from the fruit of his labor that he can carry in his hand. This also is a grievous evil. Exactly as a man is born, thus will he die. So what is the advantage to him who toils for the wind? Throughout his life, he also eats in darkness with great vexation, sickness, and anger. Oh, we're going to have to, we're going we're to pause there. We're going to pick up in verse 18. Uh, we're going to pick up in verse 18 next week. Um, because, we just ran out of time. To be clear, to be clear. Chew on this. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know what? Yeah, that's it. We're going to chew on that. <laughs> All right. We're going to pick that up next week. Thank you, Jonathan. Um, I hope to see as many of you as who are able at the house. We're going to eat and have a good and old time. Um, and we're going to stay indoors because it's cold outside. And yeah, anything. Cool. Lord, I thank you for this body of believers who um, gathers to um, meditate and read and discuss your word and its applications in our lives in the 21st century. We praise you that you are, that you are and have always been the God who involves himself and is present in our lives, in the lives of your believers. And we thank you for that. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Dismissed. Hey, my name is Natalie Portillo.
You have to stop what you're doing.